Hello, my name is Brenna Asplund, and this is Sunrise, the anti-Twilight novel I wrote as a teen. You'll remember that last time we left Anne really upset that her sketchbooks had gone missing. So today we're going to see how she responds to that in the completely rational and reasonable manner that we've come to expect from Anne. Chapter 5 You took them, didn't you? Joseph leaned back in his seat as Anne approached, yelling at the top of her lungs. Most people in the lunchroom turned their heads to watch the show. Took what? he asked. Anne folded her arms in defiance. You can't fool me. You took them to get back at me for not listening to you. Give them back. Give what back? Joseph desperately tried to figure out what she was talking about. His three friends were looking on with obvious amusement. Anne took a deep breath and took control of herself. She sat down and pinched the bridge of her nose. I suppose you couldn't have taken them. You have no idea what they are or where they are. It must have been Deli. She's the only one with access to my room. Was something stolen from you? What was it? Asked Joseph again, bewildered. It's none of your business, snapped Anne. Look, we can't help you get it back if you don't tell us what it is, said Ivan. I don't need your help. Anne slammed her hands on the table and stood up. Yes, you do, said Amy. No, I don't. I'll figure it out on my own. Anne turned to leave. Todd held her back. How can we be your friends if you won't let us help you? He asked, letting go of her arm. I don't need friends. Anne turned and stalked off. That girl has issues, said Amy, after she was out of sight. Todd and Ivan both shot her a cold look. She shrugged. Joseph, who had never caught up on the conversation, stared after Anne. Anne kept walking until she came to a bench on the school grounds. There, she sat down and folded her arms, glaring at nothing. I bet I know what was stolen from you. Anne jumped up and spun around. She was not at all surprised to find her sister hanging on the back of the bench. Of course you do, since you took them. Why would I take them? I don't know, said Anne. For the same reason you do everything else, because you felt like it. I didn't take them, said Deli. I know, said Anne. She sat down on the bench, and Deli jumped up next to her. So why didn't you let them help you? I don't need anyone's help, said Anne. I can take care of myself. Well, you can't take care of your stuff, said Deli. Maybe it's for the best. Now you can stop dwelling in the past and move on with your life already, you dork. Deli punched her sister in the arm. You know, you're not really good at this whole touching sisterly moment kind of stuff, said Anne, giving Deli a hug and laughing. I don't need your advice. I don't need anyone's advice. Deli pushed Anne away and stuck out her tongue. I can take care of myself. Anne knew when she was being insulted, but it was kind of funny. She laughed and pulled out a sketchbook and picked up a pencil in her left hand. Right hand, remember, said Deli. Oops. Anne transferred the pencil to her other hand and started to draw. She chose a dandelion as a model and attempted to get every detail down to the dewdrops on its leaves and the subtle play of light across its petals. It looked awful. Arg! shouted Anne, ripping the paper out of her sketchbook. Breathe, said Deli, putting her hand on her sister's shoulder. Anne took a deep breath and threw the paper in a nearby garbage can. Better, but you should probably keep more of your pictures. Deli glanced behind her, then did a barrel roll into the bushes behind the bench. What are you? How are you today, my pretty little flower? Oh. Anne turned around to see William. He had done a surprisingly good job of getting the paint out of his hair, but a few of the normally perfect strands were matted and orange. 
It was all Anne could do not to laugh. Look, I really am sorry for what my sister did yesterday. That little... William took a deep breath and smiled. Oh, it's fine. I've completely forgotten about it, really. She really is an energetic girl, isn't she? That's one word for it, said Anne. Anyway, what do you want? I was wondering if you would like to join me for a drive in the canyon today. I have something I want to show you. William's face was the carefully calculated picture of good-natured calm. I don't know. Our last date was a total disaster. Which canyon is it? Payson. Anne shrugged. Sure, why not? Great! I'll come pick you up after school. Uh, sorry, I have an appointment after school. Can you come around four instead? Of course, said William. The bell rang and Anne headed for science class. It was relatively uneventful. There was only one small fire when Dr. Peterson knocked over a Bunsen burner. As Anne was stretching before a game of soccer during gym, Joseph walked up to her and asked, Are you okay? You seemed pretty upset at lunch. Yeah, I'm fine. Anne reached down to touch her toes. Are you doing anything today? I thought it might be kind of fun if you came bowling with Amy, Todd, Ivan, and me. We wanted to make up for not being able to help you earlier. Um, Anne slowly stood up. Actually, William's taking me up the canyon to show me something this afternoon. What? Joseph was shocked. Didn't you learn your lesson from the last time he took you out? He almost killed your sister. He said himself he was only trying to stop her, said Anne. He wasn't actually going to hurt her. And you believed him? No, thought Anne. But what she said was, I can make my own decisions, thank you very much. Besides, if you and Deli hadn't been following me, that wouldn't have happened. The soccer game was starting, so Anne ran off to join her team. After classes, Joseph went outside the school and walked away from the crowd of people heading home. Deli, he called. Yes? Joseph jumped and turned around. Do you always have to sneak up on me like that? Yes, she replied. Anyway, said Joseph, your sister is going on another date with William this afternoon, after all that happened yesterday. Yeah, said Deli. And? And? It's horrible. I heard they're going on a drive up the canyon. What better place than a canyon to suck someone's blood? Can't you do anything to stop her? No, said Deli. Anne's almost more stubborn than I am. Then what are you going to do? Get me to help you follow her again today? Deli thought about this. Nah, she said. I'm going to go eat cake. And with that, she left. Joseph didn't know what to do. This was a disaster. Anne had no idea what danger she was in. And what was worse was that Joseph felt partially responsible. If he hadn't ever warned her, maybe she would never have accepted a date. Maybe he should just tell her that William was a vampire. But would she believe him? Probably not. You would have to be as crazy as Deli to believe in vampires and werewolves. Unless you were one, but that was different. Joseph knew one thing, though. He couldn't let Anne get hurt. He would just have to follow them without Deli forcing him to. Joseph didn't want to, but he felt like he didn't have a choice. He had to be there if anything happened, so he could help. Well, you seem to be recovering about as well as can be expected, said Dr. Olson. Dr. Olson was a tall, thin man with jet black hair slicked back to reveal a widow's peak. How well can you move your hand now? Pretty well, replied Anne. This was a different physical therapist than she had been seeing until now, but he had her records and knew all about her injury. Although it still hurts sometimes, and I still can't write or draw with it. Dr. Olson nodded. 
Yes, that's to be expected. You most likely will never get full control of your hand back. That's what all the other doctors have been telling me. But are you sure you don't know some kind of treatment that might help? Dr. Olson shook his head. Sorry, but no. All I can recommend is that you keep doing your exercises and it will stop hurting as much. Anne sighed. I know. It was starting to hurt less when the doctors told her there was no hope. But Anne wasn't going to give up. There was bound to be somebody out there who could help her. Some way she could fix her hand. Anne drove home after it was over and started getting ready for her date. They were going up into a canyon, so she should probably find her old hiking boots. I agree with Joseph, you know. Anne sighed. About what? About you being stupid for going out with William? He never said I was stupid. He implied it. You really need to stop following me around, Deli. Anne went back to look for her boots. Why? Your life is so much more interesting than anything that happens at my school. Besides, that William guy is a dork. Not to mention... Not to mention what? He seems kind of... Vampiric, don't you think? I have no idea what you're talking about, Deli. The doorbell rang and Anne went upstairs to answer it. It was William. Why, hello, beautiful. Are you ready to go? he asked. Almost, said Anne. She ran back inside. Deli was standing in the hall holding her boots. Anne took them and put them on and then went back to the front door. Give me the keys, she said to William. I'm driving. Oh, come on. I wasn't that bad, was I? Yes, you were. Now give me the keys or we're not going anywhere. William reluctantly got the keys out of his pocket and placed them in Anne's waiting hand. She climbed into the driver's seat and turned the car on, making sure to check the gas. It was full. She started heading towards the road that would take them to Payson, driving at the speed limit. Oh, come on, said William from the passenger seat. At this rate, we'll never get there. Can't you just speed up just a little bit? No, no, I cannot. I plan on living for a few years yet, thank you very much. Joseph didn't know when Anne and William were planning to leave, but he did know that they would have to drive past the school parking lot to get to the canyon. Joseph was waiting there, ready to drive, when he saw William's car go by. It wasn't too long before he spotted it and pulled out behind them. It was hard to keep track of the silver car on the busy street, but once they reached the canyon, it was easier. They drove for about half an hour, then came to a stop near a grove of aspen trees. Joseph kept going until they were out of sight, then pulled his car to the side of the road and got out. Joseph started going back to where he had last seen Anne and William walking through the trees so he would be less visible. Unfortunately, Joseph wasn't very coordinated and had a hard time maneuvering through the underbrush. He knew that he would be caught right away. He was making so much noise. There was one thing he could do to make himself sneakier. Luckily, it was close enough to the full moon that he could change at will. Werewolf formations aren't as slow as people tend to think. They're actually almost instantaneous. And as a result of the body changing form so quickly, also excruciatingly painful. Joseph felt searing pain through his limbs and suppressed the desire to howl. He should be used to it by now, but every time he transformed, he was surprised by just how much it hurt. Joseph shook his head and looked around. The forest seemed a lot bigger, but he felt much more comfortable in it. Joseph was now a large, dark brown wolf with shaggy fur, long claws, and huge fangs. As a wolf, Joseph's instincts were much stronger, and it was a lot harder to think logically, a fact which always bothered Joseph, and one of the reasons why he tried to avoid ever taking this form. Not only was he much stealthier as a wolf, he was also a lot quicker. 
He soon reached the place where Anne and William were parked. They were standing outside of the car. So this is what you wanted to show me, said Anne. It might look like I don't get out that much, but I have seen trees before. If wolves could laugh, Joseph would have. It's probably a good thing they couldn't, since that would have blown his cover. What I want to show you is in that grove, said William, pointing to the aspens. Anne looked around. I don't see a path. There is no path, but I know exactly where we're going, so we don't need one. Right, said Anne. I just love walking through forests with no paths. I mean, all the tree roots, fallen leaves, sticks, mud, and wild animal dung just add to the fun. I could carry you if you want, offered William, scooping Anne up into his arms. Joseph tensed and dug his claws into the dirt. Anne shoved her way back to the ground. No, thank you. I'd much prefer the dung. Lead the way. William shrugged. If you're sure. He started off into the trees with Anne close behind. Joseph waited for them to get a little bit ahead before following. William was making a big show of pushing the brush aside to make it easier for Anne to walk, which bothered Joseph to no end. Joseph thought about what Anne had said earlier about preferring dung to being carried by William. It was obvious that Anne wasn't dating William because she liked him. That made Joseph feel better, until he realized that that must mean that the only reason Anne was going on these dates was to spite him. Joseph was so lost in thought that he stepped on a twig which cracked loudly. Anne turned around and scanned the trees behind her. Joseph had jumped behind a tree as soon as he had made the noise and crouched low to the ground, trying to make his breathing as quiet as possible. Anne turned back around and walked, but Joseph waited a few moments before coming out of his hiding spot. After about 45 minutes of hiking, Joseph heard Anne say, How much further is it? We're here, said William, who walked through some tall bushes. Anne, for some reason, deliberately stepped around them. Joseph did the same in case she had a good reason for doing so. Chapter 6 We walked all that way for this? asked Anne. Isn't it great, said William. It's a stupid, dinky little clearing full of dead grass. We passed through others like it on the way here. Okay, okay. It's not really the clearing itself that's so great, but it's a wonderful location. Think about it. We're miles away from civilization with nothing but the calming sights and sounds of nature around us. Don't you think it's a wonderful place to relax? Or suck blood, thought Joseph. I certainly need some relaxation after hiking through the woods for an hour. William scratched his arm. The real reason I wanted to bring you out here is so that I could talk to you. And then suck your blood, thought Joseph. I personally don't understand why we couldn't have talked at the bottom of the canyon. Ah, but it's so much harder to suck blood without anyone noticing down there, thought Joseph. Joseph was getting restless. He shifted his body so he would be ready to spring, just in case. Anne folded her arms. Go ahead, I'm listening. William took a step towards Anne. I just wanted to let you know that I understand how you feel. Anne raised an eyebrow. Oh, really? I understand the frustration of having all your work be for nothing, for trying so hard only to have to start all over again. Now both eyebrows were up. You what?! I know why you're so distant, why you always try to push people away. I would too if I had to go through what you did. William came close to Anne and Joseph felt the fur on his back stand up. What? Anne shouted. 
William backed away, his features twisted in an expression of pure angst. But I want you to understand that we can't be together. I'm too dangerous. I'll only hurt you. He scratched his arm again. Joseph silently urged Anne to listen to him. He may be melodramatic, but he had a point. Let's go back to the part where you're saying that you understand me, because I want to be absolutely clear on that. I'm too powerful, said William, ignoring Anne's comment. I could hurt you at any moment. William ran into the trees, almost stepping on Joseph, and appeared at the other side of the clearing moments later. I'm fast. He pulled a large branch off a nearby tree. I'm strong. He started to walk towards Anne with the branch still raised above his head. You need to stay away from me. Gladly, said Anne. Once you tell me how you know. I haven't told anyone here about the accident. He had reached the spot where Anne was standing. Well, I... He began, then suddenly his face distorted into a look of extreme discomfort and he dropped the piece of wood, falling onto the ground and scratching himself all over. The branch fell, heading right for Anne's head. She screamed and Joseph leapt, knocking her off her feet and onto his back. Joseph ran as fast as he could without knocking Anne off, who now had her arms around his neck, a fact which Joseph found he rather liked. The trees zoomed past on either side, but even wolves get tired, and Joseph was forced to slow down after a while. Joseph collapsed onto the forest floor, and Anne rolled off his back and got to her feet. That no-good, dirty, rotten jerk! He was the one who stole them! Anne screamed, pacing back and forth and paying no attention to Joseph. While Anne was distracted, Joseph quickly turned back into a human. He was once again grateful for Magic's apparent sense of decency, which allowed werewolves to turn back into humans fully clothed. He had them all along, continued Anne. I should have known it was him. I'm so mad right now I could kick something. So she did. Ow, said Joseph, pulling himself into a sitting position. What did you do that for? You're no better than him. Don't think I didn't recognize your car following us, you creepy stalker. Hey, said Joseph, standing up. I just saved your life. That branch was about to hit you in the head. I stepped out of the way. I didn't need your help. And I told you not to follow me. Anne turned away. Besides, head injuries aren't always fatal. Look, said Joseph, trying to keep calm. I only followed you because I was worried something like this might happen. He told you himself he was dangerous. Oh, so you were eavesdropping too? Facing Joseph again, Anne said, he was only saying that to make me interested in him because most girls love the bad boy type. He's stupid, stuck up, and conceited, but he's always seemed harmless. At least, I thought he was harmless until I found out he stole from me. What did he steal? asked Joseph. I heard you mention something about an accident, but it's none of your business. Anne cracked her knuckles. I'm going to go back there and make him give me my stuff back. No, yelled Joseph, grabbing her arm. I already had to save you once today. He dropped a tree branch on your head. Yeah, said Anne, because he was stupid enough to walk through a bunch of stinging nettle and poison ivy. Oh, said Joseph, suddenly glad he had followed Anne's example and walked around the bush. But still, don't go back. It's too dangerous. Why do you care so much anyway, asked Anne. We've known each other for what, a couple of days? Why should it matter to you what happens to me? I wouldn't want anyone to suffer the fate that guy would put them through. Oh, so you don't actually care about me at all, just any generic damsel in distress would do. That's not what I said. Okay, said Anne, so answer me this question. What fate would he put me through? Why is he so dangerous? Joseph sighed and bit his lip. It seemed like no matter what happened, Anne wouldn't listen to him unless he was completely honest. 
He would just have to tell her and deal with the consequences later. Okay, he said. I'll tell you what's so dangerous about him. If you tell me what he stole from you and why it's so important. But you can't tell anyone else, okay? Fine, said Anne. Now what's the big secret? William? Joseph took a deep breath. Is a vampire. Right, said Anne. And he stole my magical orbs of mystic wonderness. Really? Joseph's face lit up. I thought those were all destroyed in the zombie wars of 1806. Oh, but that's really bad if William has a hold of them. I was being sarcastic. Joseph deflated. Oh, I guess now you know why I never told you. It really is true, though. I should know because uh, I'm a werewolf. Of course you are, said Anne. I'm being serious, said Joseph. Wait a second. I was just in my wolf form a few moments ago. When I knocked you out of the way of the tree branch? Oh, said Anne, her eyes suddenly opening wide. You were, weren't you? I was so angry at William I didn't even notice. Do you believe me now? asked Joseph. Yeah, I guess I have to, said Anne. So you were worried that William might try to suck my blood? But you're a werewolf. Aren't werewolves supposed to be dangerous too? William's different, said Joseph. He's a humanitarian. A what? Someone who eats humans? Like a vegetarian? Yeah. Anne was silent for a moment. So he's eaten other people before? Well, said Joseph, not that we know of. But he claims to be a part of this humanitarian group, so my dad and I have been keeping an eye on him. He's never actually gone on a date with any of the girls he's asked out before, though. Oh, said Anne. They were both quiet. Well, said Anne, we'd better be getting back. Lead the way to your car. Okay, said Joseph. It only took them about 15 minutes to reach the car. It was downhill, but Joseph had a lot harder time getting down than he had had getting up, not being in his wolf form anymore. Anne climbed in the passenger seat, and Joseph got in the driver's. He turned on the car and set off down the canyon. I can't tell you anything past the fact that William is a vampire and I'm a werewolf, but if you have any more questions, you can meet me in the science room after school tomorrow. I'll tell you everything that I can. Anne nodded. Deli appeared, leaning over Anne's seat. Hi! What? said Joseph. What are you doing here? I thought you said you didn't want to come this time. No, said Deli. I said I didn't want to blackmail you. It's much more fun to stow away. What did you have on him anyway? asked Anne. Just that he's a werewolf and Will's a vampire. And you weren't worried by these facts? Deli shrugged. Not really. Anyway, I knew it was Vampy who stole your skin. Anne removed her hand from Deli's mouth. Don't say it. Why? It's not that big of a deal. I'll tell him after tomorrow's meeting when I get all the details of this vampire and werewolf stuff. I think you should just tell him now, said Deli. I doubt Wolf Boy here would have enough guts to withhold anything from you anymore. He's spineless. I'm right here, you know, said Joseph. Your point? Joseph was getting really sick and tired of Anne's little sister. You called me a stalker, he said to Anne. So what is she? Awesome. Deli sat back in her seat. Besides, if you follow her around as stalking because you're just a friend, when I do it, I'm just fulfilling my contract as an annoying younger sibling. Well, you're certainly good at the annoying part. Why, thank you. I like to know that my fine work is being appreciated. They passed the time heading down the canyon with Deli insulting Joseph, Joseph attempting to make a witty comeback, Deli insulting him some more, and Anne laughing at both of them. And that's why you smell like a monkey, Deli finished. Uh, I don't get it. 
How does the hot sauce tie in? Asked Joseph, bringing the car to a halt in front of Deli and Anne's home. Obviously, you have to have the hot sauce or else the unicycles just wouldn't make sense, explained Deli. What about the ham monster? No, the ham monster has nothing to do with it. Joseph shrugged. Well, I guess I'll see you guys tomorrow then. Yeah, see you, said Anne. Anne and Deli climbed out of the car and went into their house. Joseph turned the car around and headed back towards his own home. It was kind of nice knowing that Anne knew he was a werewolf, but he was really dreading telling his father about it. He vowed to put it off for as long as possible. That's it for today's episode. Join us next time for a chapters-long exposition meeting which involves a number of flashbacks.